the topic for tonight, the doctrine of Christ in the Beatitudes. Uh, first, I want to cover just uh, that in Second Nephi 31 and 32, we get what is known as the doctrine of Christ. And Nephi lays it out point by point and gives details. And that doctrine of Christ is a compilation of faith, repentance, baptism by water, baptism by fire, and the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. And coupled within that and interwoven is the new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. In 3 Nephi 9, we understand that that is what the new covenant is. Um, instead of the, the law of Moses, this is the new law that, that Christ give to them, that Christ gives to them. And as many has received me, this is 3 Nephi 9, 17 and 20. As many as received me, to them have I be given to become the sons of God, and even so will I to as many as shall believe on my name. For behold, by me redemption cometh, and in me is the law of Moses fulfilled. And in 20, uh, well, I'll go in 19. And you shall offer up unto me no more the shedding of blood. Yea, your sacrifices and your burnt offerings shall be done away. For I will accept none of your sacrifices and your burnt offerings. And you shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, him will I baptize with, the, with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Even as the Lamanites, because of their faith in me at the time of their conversion, were baptized with fire and with Holy, the Holy Ghost, and they knew it not. So back in 2 Nephi 30, uh, 32, I mean, Christ, uh, or not Christ, uh, <laughs> Nephi begins 30. This is, these are his closing, this is his closing sermon uh, before he passes off the plates and the ministry to his brother Jacob. And in verse 2, wherefore the things which I have written sufficeth me. So I'm done writing, <laughs> except... Uh, save it be a few words which I must speak concerning the doctrine of Christ. So he opens opens that last sermon up with that, and he essentially closes it in 32 with, Behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and there will be there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And when he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you, you shall observe to do. Now, as I grew up reading that scripture, I always took that to mean, oh, he's going to give, uh, it's talking about when he's coming to the people in Bountiful in 3 Nephi, uh, particularly starting in 11. And as he comes to them, he's, he's going to teach them more. Now, if you go to 3 Nephi 11, you start to read what 
the Lord is teaching the people he teaches them is the doctrine of Christ, the very thing that Nephi lays out as he's closing up his ministry. When when Christ is opening up his uh, this dispensation in the Americas, he opens with the doctrine of Christ. And from 31 to 40, he, he lays it out and he gives it in plainness and in completeness. Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, I declare unto you my doctrine. And then he goes through and he talks about being, uh, believing in him, being baptized by water, and being baptized by fire and the Holy Ghost in 35. Uh, for he will visit... Uh, and unto him will the Father bear record of me, for he will visit him with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And he continues, and in 40, and whoso shall declare more or less than this and establish it for my doctrine, the same cometh of evil and is not built upon my rock, but he buildeth upon a sandy foundation, and the gates of hell stand open to receive such when the floods come and the winds beat upon them. So what is Nephi talking about when he says there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. If we look at this logically and obviously take the spirit if we take it as uh, when, when he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you shall you observe to do. That, that verse is essentially saying this is what you get for now. And when Christ manifests himself unto you in the flesh, you get more. But then when we get in 3 Nephi 11, he's saying the same thing. So what does this mean, manifest himself unto you in the flesh? This means when we accomplish with the Lord steps of the doctrine of Christ, exercising faith, the broken heart and contrite spirit, offering our lives over to the Lord in repentance, following his word and his command to be baptized in water and thereafter to do all the things that he commands to do. In the words of uh, Nephi going back, um, you have not come thus far, speaking about receiving the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, save it were by the word of Christ with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. So following that path unto receiving the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, and then thereafter between the first comforter, which is the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, and the second comforter, which is coming into Christ's presence and the fullness of his glory, there is a path and there are things to, uh, to do and experience and learn. Um, between unbelief and being in Christ's presence is the doctrine of Christ. It's where the doctrine, or as I define it, I understand it, 
the only foundation, the foundation points, if you will, of what needs to happen to come into Christ's presence and to, uh, to become a child of Christ, all of those things are contained in the doctrine of Christ. Now, different understanding and different uh, belief and things to do are encompassed in the doctrine of Christ. So when he's saying, you know, the, these other, uh, this other doctrine, any other doctrine has to be couched in the doctrine of Christ or else it's not of him. He, he said it in, in third Nephi eleven forty. <laughs> whosoever brings anything uh, unto you and establishes it as my doctrine, anything more or less than this cometh of evil. So that being said, uh, when I, when I found that out and I've, I've been writing that way for, you know, a, maybe a year or so <laughs> with that understanding. And I came to think, okay, well, that's, that's third Nephi 11. What about like, is, is he giving more in 12, uh, in, in third Nephi 12, where he starts to, to give the reiteration of the sermon on the Mount. And I started getting into the Beatitudes and the sermon on the Mount. And I started to see that it was the same doctrine. It was just different aspects of the same. So that's what I want to get into tonight so I can help anyone who's here to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of Christ, the good news, uh, the glad tidings of great joy, all of these synonyms for the same thing are found in the Lord's teachings and he, he doesn't turn to the right or the left. He just keeps giving, I guess, new descriptions of the same thing. So we are going to get into a comparison between uh, Matthew and particularly uh, Joseph Smith translation, Matthew five, three through 14 and third Nephi 12 one through 12. And the reason why we're doing the Joseph Smith Matthew is because if you'll see in the regular, uh, I mean, any regular Bible, I've got the King James Bible here before me. It goes straight into and seeing the multitudes. He went up into a mountain and when he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if we go to 3 Nephi 12, where he's giving the same, same iteration to the Nephites when he, after his resurrection, there are two extra beatitudes other than the original ten. In uh, about the midway through through verse one, blessed are ye if ye shall give heed unto the words of these twelve whom I have chosen from among you to minister unto you and to be your servants. And unto them have I given power that they may baptize you with water. And after that ye are baptized with water, behold, I will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. 
Therefore, blessed are ye, if ye shall believe in me and be baptized after that ye have seen me and know that I am. Even within that, there's the doctrine of Christ, just in one verse. Continuing in two, and again, more blessed are they who shall believe in your words, because that ye shall testify that ye have seen me, and that ye know that I am. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe in your words, and come down the depths of humility and be baptized, for they shall be visited with fire and with the Holy Ghost, and shall receive a remission of their sins. Now, um, I'll hold this up to you. This is, well, I think it's flipped there. Yeah, it says uh, Joseph Smith's New Translation of the Bible. This is a compilation of the, the translations that Joseph was able to do before he passed away. And it's not comprehensive. He didn't, he didn't complete it. However, uh, the, the parts that we do have are amazing. <laughs> you get the inspired version on one side and the King James version on the other. And you can see where, where the differentiations are right there on the same page. So unfortunately, if you have an LDS quad in front of you, these two verses are not included. So I'll read them for you. This is, this is the Joseph Smith translation, Matthew chapter five, verse three. Blessed are they who shall believe on me. And again, and more blessed are they who shall believe on your words. When ye shall testify that ye have seen me and that I am. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe on your words and come down into the depth of humility and be baptized in my name. For they shall be visited with fire in the Holy Ghost and shall receive a remission of their sins. Now it's not one-to-one, but there is a lot of similarity uh, very close similarity between those two verses and the two verses that we have in Third Nephi 12. And he's lining up, and this is at the beginning of his ministry, Christ's ministry uh, in mortality before he performed the atonement. And so he's opening his ministry with the doctrine of Christ. It makes sense because that's the whole basis of his uh, his life, uh, the you know, new covenant that has always existed from Adam to the end of the world. Um, so he's just lining it up there. And then as we go, um, before we move on, I want to do some cross-references. As it speaks to... Blessed are they who shall believe on me. And again, more blessed are they who shall believe on your words. When ye shall testify that ye have seen me and that I am. In, in my progression uh, with the Lord, I've learned a lot about not relying on the, the arm of the flesh. Not relying upon men or women for, for what I believe but at the same time, not throwing out any servant of God. If we threw out all the servants of God, we would not have scriptures. Um, so there's got to be a place for them. And we need to find out what that place is and how to, how to come to God and integrate those servants in, in the proper way. So something that stuck out to me and, and hopefully... Hopefully that's not too much of an imposition. Um, 
more blessed are they who shall believe on your word. So he's talking to the disciples, his, uh, his apostles, <clears throat> who shall believe on your words when you shall testify that you have seen me and that I am. Hey, blessed are they who shall believe on your words, again, on your words, and come down in the death of humility. If I go to chapter 12, he uses similar language again. Um, Blessed are ye if ye shall give heed unto the words of these 12. So I've seen, I've seen a lot of people go hardcore on, I'm not taking any man <laughs> to, to be my guide, uh, so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, and putting any putting a mortal between myself and the Lord is not the Lord's will, and I I would agree with that. But the I think it's interesting that he says, "Give heed unto the words." Okay, the words of these twelve whom I have chosen from among you. So the Lord does choose servants, and He does speak through people, men and women calls them his servants and does his work. If we go to Matthew, JST, Matthew 4, 17 through 24. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, I am he of whom it is written by the prophets. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they don't know Jesus from Adam. For all they know, he is a man walking on the shore and just speaking to him. Okay. And they believing on his words. So is it that he, just because he spoke, they needed to believe him? Like anybody can speak, but we should not necessarily believe on the words of anybody that, that comes, uh, comes across our path. And they believing on his words, left their net and straightway followed him. And going from thence... <clears throat> Uh, he saw two other brethren, James and John, his brother, sons of Zebedee, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, uh, mending their net, and he called them. And they immediately left their father in the ship and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people which believed on his name. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those who were possessed with devils, and those who were lunatic, and those that, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and Decapolis, and Jerusalem, and Judea, and beyond Jordan. So it all began at his, at his words. Now, if we cross-reference to Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. 
when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church in the gates of hell, and I shall not prevail against it. So that is speaking about revelation. His his being, his uh, who he was, was revealed unto them. Because as we read again in Matthew, JST Matthew, he said, and he said unto them, I am he of whom it is written by the prophets, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he told them that it was he. However, the scripture we just read, he commends Peter because he received revelation. He knew by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus was the Christ. So that, if we can go to uh, and follow that up with learning who is who, who true servants are by the power of the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and by them speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost, First Nephi 10, verses 17 through 19. And it came to pass after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in a vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. And the Son of God was the Messiah who should come I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in the time that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. For he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the way is prepared for all men from the foundation of the world, if it so be that they repent and come unto him. So going, going back to the initial Beatitudes, believing on Christ, believing on the words of true servants when they testify that they are Christ, and taking, essentially taking everything in that anybody says and filtering it into the Holy Ghost. And if the power of the Holy Ghost confesses it or justifies it or um, confirms it, then you know it's good. You know you can move forward with it. If the power of the Holy Ghost tells you it's not, then you also know what not to follow and who not to follow. Just to... uh, Hopefully not to beat a dead horse, but because this because that's such an important 
point to make of who who we can follow and who we should follow, or who rather not who we should follow, who we should heed. The words of those that we should heed, give uh, attention to, um, and you know, give give time and thought and effort. Um, Second Nephi twenty eight. beginning in uh, verse 30, 30 and 31. For behold, thus saith the Lord God, I will give unto the children of men line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, and blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear to my counsel, for they shall learn wisdom. For unto him that receiveth, I will give more. And from them that shall say, we have enough, from them shall be taken away even that which they have. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So making making flesh one's arm, um, I hopefully it's not offensive to anybody for me to say this, but um, I like I like the the notion of uh, self defense. Um, I, I have done certain study on, on the use of arms to, to defend oneself. And so this notion of taking something as your arm is both defensive and offensive. So if you're going and you're, you're thinking of it in terms of the spirit or spiritual things, if you're taking something as your arm, as your defense or your offense, the only arm that we should be taking is the arm of the Lord. We can still use and filter through and give heed to the words of those who are called to be servants. However, relying on those alone as our arm or as our defense or our offense is falling short. And it has, uh, as, <laughs> as Nephi said, it has, it has a cursing upon it. So hopefully, uh, I just saw a notice about my connection. So hopefully things are good. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, okay. And one last, uh, one last witness. I think this is witness number five to this point. Uh, Alma 32, 23 and 26. Now he, speaking of the Lord, imparted his word by angels unto men. Yea, not only men, but women also. Now this is not all. Little children do have words given unto them many times, which confound the wise and the learned. Now, as I said concerning faith, that it was not a perfect knowledge, even so it is with my words. Ye cannot know of their surety at first unto perfection any more than faith is a perfect knowledge. And so Alma is teaching that both with the Lord and both with the words of servants, we have to plug that man. We have to plant the seed. And in planting the seed, we can begin to discern their fruits. So those first two beatitudes, believing on 
Christ. Blessed are they who believe on Christ. And again, more blessed are they who shall believe on the words of servants because they have not seen Christ. If they take those words and they follow, they hearken unto the spirit and they do with those things pertaining to faith and repentance, plugging those, those things in so that they can take step by step on the, uh, on the path of ascension. Now, next verse three, yea, blessed are the poor in spirit who come unto me. And this is the same in, uh, this is third Nephi 12 that I'm reading. And that is the same in the Joseph Smith translation. Um, whereas in the King James version, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit in the other two versions, blessed are the poor in spirit who come unto me. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, why would that be an interest or an important distinction between just the poor in spirit and the poor in spirit who come unto Christ? Being poor in spirit, I think completely of, of humility, of, of those who are unassuming, um, you know, don't puff themselves up. However, there are plenty of people who fit that description, but they don't turn their lives over to Christ. They don't come unto him. And without coming unto Christ, we don't enter that path. The path is completely contingent on trusting in Christ, hearkening unto his words, seeking after his words and following those words. So blessed are the, poor in spirit who come unto me for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mosiah 2, 21 through 25. This is, this is one of my bread and butter scriptures and something, and it's because I always have to apply it to myself. 22 through 25. I say unto you that if ye should serve him who has created you from the beginning and is preserving you from day to day by lending you breath, that ye may live and move and do according to your own will and even supporting you from one moment to another. I say, if ye should serve him with all your whole souls, yet ye would be unprofitable servants. And behold, all that he requires of you is to keep his commandments. And he has promised you that if ye would keep his commandments, you should prosper in the land. And he never doth vary from that which he hath said. Therefore, if ye do keep his commandments, he doth bless you and prosper you. And now in the first place, he hath created you and granted unto you your lives, for which ye are indebted unto him. And secondly, he doth require that ye should do as he commanded you, which for which if ye do, he doth immediately bless you. And therefore he hath paid you and ye are still indebted to him and are and will be forever and ever. Therefore of what have ye to boast? And now I ask, 
Can ye say aught of yourselves? I answer unto you, nay. Ye cannot say that ye are even as much as the dust of the earth. Yet ye were created of the dust of the earth, but behold, it belongeth to him who created you. This is an amazing scripture to keep us in understanding of our standing before the Lord. If we ever get entitled or thinking uh, we're on the same wavelength as Christ, we just need to read this scripture again. (laughs) Remember that we do not take one breath except he gives it. So, uh, you know, giving, giving the Lord his due is, uh, is how I like to, to see things. And that, you know, that kind of mentality moving forward day to day is inherent in the new covenant of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Again, in Mosiah 4, 11 and 12. And I, again, I say unto you, as I have said before, that as ye have come to the knowledge of the glory of God, or if ye have known of his goodness and have tasted of his love and have received a remission of your sins, which causeth such exceedingly great joy in your souls, even so I would that ye should remember and always retain in remembrance the greatness of God and your own nothingness and his goodness and long suffering towards you unworthy creatures. And humble yourselves even in the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily and standing steadfastly in the faith of that which is to come, which was spoken by the mouth of the angel. Behold, I say unto you that if ye do this, ye shall always rejoice and be filled with the love of God and always retain a remission of your sins. And ye shall grow in the knowledge of the glory of him that created you or in the knowledge of that which is just and true. Moses 1.10 And it came to pass that it was for the space of many hours before Moses did again receive his natural strength like unto man. And he said unto himself, Now for this cause I know that man is nothing which thing I never had supposed. This man who had been essentially, uh, well, a prince, second in command to Pharaoh, and seeing all the great things that Pharaoh did, he realizes that compared to God, man is nothing. And compared to God's glory and power and majesty, man is nothing. So moving to the second half of that one, so that we just covered poor in spirit who come unto Jesus Christ. Those who hear the voice of the Lord calling to them and hearken to that voice and begin to turn their lives over. That is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So that is the whole crux, that's even the foundation to the foundation. If (laughs) if the doctrine of Christ is the foundation, the doctrine of Christ, faith, repentance, baptism in the name of the Son, being water, fire, and spirit, and enduring to the end, all of those are possible and only possible through a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So the reward of that is the kingdom of heaven. 
and what is the kingdom of heaven? The reward that we get at the end of opening uh, with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. So I've had to, I've had to kind of check things. I, I, I've learned through my upbringing that the kingdom of heaven is one thing. The kingdom of God is another. Um, I'll say I'm still working through that at this point. However, in Joseph Smith translation, GST, Matthew 3, 28 and 29. This is uh, John the Baptist speaking and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For I am he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his paths straight. So it's still uh, him saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand makes it sound like it's still, it's close. It's super close. But it's still, there's still some preparation that needs to happen. Um, and Christ even said the same thing let me before I go to that let me just uh, follow up with John's continued words in JST Matthew 3 38 and 39 indeed I indeed baptize you with water upon your repentance and when he of whom I bear record cometh, who is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, or whose place I am not able to fill. As I said, I indeed baptize you before he cometh, that when he cometh, he may baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And it is he of whom I shall bear record, whose fan shall be in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But in the fullness of his own time, will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. There's a lot of end time reference to that. Okay, going forward to when Jesus said it. This is the verse uh, right before what we've already read. This is chapter four in NJST, uh, verse 16. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So even he beginning his ministry was still saying that it was yet to fully be established. If we go to... Matthew 6, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. And if we look in, we compare that with 3 Nephi 13.
just to give some back background. So backing up after this, this is verse nine in third Nephi 13. After this manner, therefore pray ye our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's missing there from uh, between Christ's opening ministry three years earlier or four years. And, and when he says this, it's the Lord saying thy kingdom come. So at this point, the kingdom is established and the kingdom is available because Christ had performed the atonement. Take that to the Lord. Um, this is, this is just my understanding of it. Um, as I was seeking it out myself and that, that may, that was clear to me. Um, just as he's saying in verse uh, chapter five, Matthew five forty eight, he does not include himself in perfection, but in third Nephi twelve forty eight, he does. Um, even as I or your Father in heaven is perfect, so there's that that difference there also. So receiving the kingdom of heaven is. It may be more than this, but receiving access to and into the Lord's airship, which we begin to do at the baptism of fire in the Holy Ghost. We become his sons and daughters, become heirs with him, or begin to become heirs with him at the baptism of fire in the Holy Ghost. Next. Next verse. Again, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. When I was seeking this out, the first thing that came to my mind is where does it talk about mourning? Um, my thoughts immediately went to Mosiah 18. <clears throat> Verse 8 and 9. And it came to pass that he said unto them, Behold, here are the waters of Mormon. For thus were they called, and now as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and be called his people, and are willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light, and are willing to mourn with those that mourn. Yea, and comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and to stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places, that ye may be in even until death, that ye may be redeemed of God and be numbered with those of the first resurrection, that ye may have eternal life. And in verse 10, now I say unto you, if this be the desires, the desire of your hearts, what have you against being baptized in the name of the Lord as a witness before him that ye have entered into a covenant with him, that ye will serve him and keep his commandments, that he may pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you. So going back, how the this beatitude pertains to the doctrine of Christ, <clears throat> living the baptismal covenant leads to the, what? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
the first and second comforter. That makes sense to me. Um, if, uh, if, I'm, if I'm looking at that and seeing, you know, it's, it's not just a whoever is sad will be made unsad. If we're taking the Lord deeper or his words deeper and tying his words into his doctrine, beginning living the the baptismal covenant of of mourning with those that mourn and and the rest of it it leads to our our first and second comforters for the first and second comforters are included in the doctrine of Christ endure to the end if you ask me what the end is the end is not just the end of your life. The end is the goal. What is at the end of the straight and narrow path that begins after the gate of the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost? It's the tree of life, which is Christ. So um, just, uh, just a side thought I had. Uh, if any of you have any, any thoughts on these, any impressions, please write them down. We're going to have a Q&A session at the end of this, and I want to hear, and I want to learn from you guys. Um, if there's anything that you have that you've previously learned or learning right now that the Spirit is teaching you, uh, please please save it and share it. Write it down so we can talk about it. Next. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Being meek, I, I understand that as being tied to a broken heart and contrite spirit. Again, the beginning of the path that leads to that leads to everything. <laughs> everything in the doctrine of Christ. First Nephi twenty two seventeen. The scripture stuck out to me about a year ago when I was reading through and learning. It was, I was starting to piece things together and, uh, and the spirit just stuck this one out big. First Nephi twenty two, seventeen. Wherefore he will preserve the righteous by his power. Even if so be that the fullness of his wrath must come and the righteous be preserved even unto the destruction of their enemies by fire. Wherefore, the righteous need not fear, for thus saith a prophet, they shall be saved, even if it so be, as by fire. And the context of this scripture is end times prophecy. So those who inherit the earth or make it into the millennium are those who offer a broken heart and a contrite spirit, or rather though, you know, flip side, those who live the new covenant of a broken heart and a contrite spirit will inherit the earth during the millennium. Psalm 37, seven through 11. Then. 
rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. That is very applicable to us right now. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off by those but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And Christ being the Prince of Peace, that's not just political peace. Although, you know, they're during the millennium, peace or absence of war will reign, but greater peace, that peace which Christ gives, will reign so much more noticeably. Um, our standing, knowing our standing before the Lord and being able to continually walk with Him and move forward and take steps in ascension. Verse 6 or 8, if you're in the JFT. And blessed are all they that do hunger and, and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. In the King James Version, it just says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In Second Nephi 31 Nephi says, Wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ. And endure to the end. Behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. Again, reiterating, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness is a name of Christ. It's an attribute of Christ. And it is him and his attributes and his fullness after which we we need to hunger and thirst. And not just that, as it says here, feasting upon the word of Christ. And it's not just the written word. It is the active, dynamic word which he offers to us, which he is constantly speaking out to us, <clears throat> um, speaking through the Holy Ghost, speaking through angels, speaking through servants, reaching out to us and teaching us those things that will get us to take the next step in the new covenant. <clears throat> Reiterating in chapter 32, 2 Nephi 32, 3, angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, they speak the words of Christ. Wherefore, I say unto you, feast upon the words of Christ. Feast upon those things that angels are speaking to you by the power of the Holy Ghost. For be Behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things what you should do. And if we feast on that, we get 
I have this thought that the notwithstanding things in our progression being in the time of the Lord, they're also, you know, in, in our time. And oftentimes we hinder that timing. Um, I, I got a, a loving, but stern rebuke, clear rebuke, uh, a year or, or, or two ago in which the Lord said, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> I'm ready to give you so many, uh, so many things, so much understanding, so much, um, so much of me, but I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting for you to do what I'm asking you to do because we receive through faith and we exercise faith in his, uh, in following the things that he asks us to do. And that's, you know, pertaining to feasting upon the words of Christ. Okay. So tying, tying this verse back in, uh, I mean, hopefully we've, uh, we've covered it, that faith, <laughs> repentance, baptism in the name of the son is, is fully covered in blessed are they, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled with the Holy ghost. They'll receive the baptism of fire and the Holy ghost. Next blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Going back to the Mosiah 18 scripture. Particularly verse eight. It came to pass that is that he said unto them, Behold, here are the waters of Mormon. Uh, moving forward, and now as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and be called his people and are willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light. I thought of that verse because, because I was thinking of, I was thinking of the, the topic or the notion of being merciful and directly relating it to those who, I guess, who need my mercy, uh, those who have, you know, sinned against me, um, those who, those whom I need to forgive and tying this third Nephi 13, 11, and then 14 and 15, the Lord's prayer and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their their trespasses, neither will your Father in your Father forgive your trespasses. As we are merciful to others, even exercising a broken heart and a contrite spirit in doing so, asking the Lord, Father. Oh, this is so hard. They did this to me. And the Lord just saying, just let it go. Just give it to me. Let me take care of it. Let me worry about it. We offer mercy to others, especially those who have been, uh, who have trespassed against us. And 
you know, it also applies to those who haven't trespassed against us. Maybe, maybe I have a friend and, and they've trespassed against somebody else. And I have full ability to judge what they did and say, yeah, like you really blew it. But can I be merciful to them in that? Can I turn to them and say, you know, let me help you carry this in, in the, the baptismal covenant. Let me help you to come to Christ. Um, I've also thought of this, particularly in an extreme situation, Acts 7.60. The disciple Stephen, even in the act of being martyred, and they stoned Stephen, in verse 59, and they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. We have to ask ourselves, how much less does somebody trespass against me? And do I plead actively in that moment to the Lord on their behalf, even acting as an intercessor, you know, uh, even in the similitude of Christ, him doing that for us, do we ask the Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we offer that mercy to them. And we know that we are just as pitiful as they before the Lord and we all need mercy and we all need to offer mercy one to another for that. Um, what this mercy is and how it ties into the doctrine of Christ. This was mentioned a, a few sessions ago. Uh, Justin was, was teaching and so Alma 32, verse 13. And having the background of the doctrine of Christ, we can find out or we can surmise what these key words mean. Verse 13, and now because ye are compelled to be humble, blessed are ye. For a man sometimes, if he is compelled to be humble, seeketh repentance. So repentance that's an easy keyword because repentance is part of the, the doctrine of Christ. And now surely whosoever repenteth shall find mercy. So what aspect of the doctrine of Christ is that? And he that findeth mercy and endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. <clears throat> so enduring to the end, that's another key word that we know is in the doctrine of Christ. So between repentance and enduring to the end is baptism in the name of the Son, or water, fire, and the Holy Ghost. So receiving, being merciful unto others can unlock, can be a key in unlocking the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost for, for us. Next. Blessed are all the pure in heart, for they shall see God pure in heart. That was, that was one where I'm like, okay, 
what what exactly does that mean? Does that just mean I'm really good as a person? Um, I mean, it it could mean that. Um, that that's one understanding of it. As I was searching, however, I found a few that give a little a little more understanding, um, tying it to the doctrine of Christ. Second Timothy two. Verse 22, flee all you also, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. First Peter 1 and 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And even Third Nephi eight. Verse one, and this this last one ties more to the the purity level. Now it came to pass that according to our record, and we know our record to be true, for behold, it was a just man who did keep the record, for he did truly, for he truly did many miracles in the name of Jesus, and there was not any man who could do a miracle. In the name of Jesus, save he were cleansed every whit from his iniquity. So a combination that I find in, in these are we're cleansed from our iniquity when uh, through a pure heart, when we're exercising a broken heart and a contrite spirit with, or in other words, real intent, pure heart meaning real intent, uh, calling on the Lord with real intent, um, doing in the Lord with real intent, not doing it to, you know, try and earn ourselves points or to uh, be entitled or anything like that, just doing it with real intent. Those who, so if we, if we use that understanding, blessed are all the pure in heart, or those who have real intent, for they shall see God, the same God, the second comforter. So start and finish in, uh, in that small verse. Next, I love this one. This one is amazing. Blessed are all the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Immediately, my mind when I was pondering this verse, immediately my mind went to Mosiah 15, 9 through 19. Bear with me. There, it, it's, a, it's a long reading, but it's so, it's so pregnant with meaning. <laughs> Having ascended into heaven, 
having the bowels of mercy, being filled with compassion towards the children of men, standing betwixt them and justice, having broken the bands of death, taken upon himself their iniquity and their transgressions, having redeemed them and satisfied the demands of justice. And now I say unto you, who shall declare his generation? Behold, I say unto you that when his soul has been made an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. And now what say ye, and who shall be his seed? Behold, I say unto you that whosoever has heard the words of the prophets, yea, all the holy prophets who have prophesied concerning the coming of the Lord, I say unto you that all those who have hearkened unto their words and believed in the Lord and believed that the Lord would redeem his people and have looked forward to that day for remission of their sins. I say unto you that these are his seed for, or they are the heirs of the kingdom of God. For these are they whose sins he has borne. These are they for whom he has died to redeem them from their transgressions. And now are they not his seed? Yea, and are not the prophets, every one that has opened his mouth to prophesy, that has not fallen into transgression? I mean, all the holy prophets ever since the world began, I say unto you that they are his seed. And these are they who have published peace, who have brought good tidings of good, who have published salvation and said unto Zion, thy God reigneth and how, and oh, how beautiful upon the mountains were their feet. And again, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that are still publishing peace. And again, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who shall hereafter publish peace. Yea, from this time henceforth and forever. And behold, I say unto you, this is not all for, oh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. That is the founder of peace. Yea, even the Lord who has redeemed his people, yea, him who has granted salvation unto his people for were it not for the redemption, which he made for his people, which has prepared, which was prepared from the foundation of the world. I say unto you, were it not for this, all mankind must have perished. We, we take a step ahead in progression. If you ask me, this is my, my opinion. But this, this verse, blessed are all the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We're taking a step up in our progression. In those who have exercised a broken heart and a contrite spirit with real intent, exercising faith, feasting upon the words of Christ, turning their lives over to Christ in repentance, being baptized, having received the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. Those who walk upon this path and receive these things are called to the work. All of the, All of us who are here need to be aware of this. When we have been warned, we are to warn our neighbor. When we have received grace, we are to proclaim it. 
when we understand the doctrine of Christ, we are to share it. It's not just for us to take into ourselves and glory and bask in it and say, this is awesome. If we do not go and become peacemakers or proclaim peace, peace being Christ and his doctrine and his gospel, then Second Nephi 31, verse 14. But behold, my beloved brethren, thus came the voice of the Son unto me, saying, After ye have repented of your sins and witnessed unto the Father that ye are willing to keep my commandments by the baptism of water, and have received the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, and can speak with a new tongue, yea, even with the tongue of angels, we can understand that to be speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost and being one of these peacemakers and being a servant of God. Yea, even with the tongue of angels, and after this should deny me. We'll come back to that meaning. It would have been better for you that ye had not known me. Verse 15, and I heard a voice from the Father saying, Yea, the words of my beloved are true and faithful. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. So what does it mean to deny Christ after we've received the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost? It could, in my estimation, and take this to the Lord, ceasing to exercise a broken heart and a contrite spirit, ceasing to take further steps on the path of progression. And especially as pertains to this verse, not following the heeding or not heeding the words of the spirit to go and share is denying or rejecting the words of Christ. The words of Christ coming to us by the power of the Holy Ghost, through the Holy Ghost, especially after we've received the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, if we cease the work and we turn aside from the plow, then it would be better than we had not known him. Understand that there's there's a great responsibility in, in line with the blessing that the Lord gives. And this, this is, uh, this verse about being a peacemaker is a segue into the last two. Blessed are all the people, well, sorry, blessed are they, are all they that are persecuted for my name's sake. It's interesting in the King James version, blessed are they who, who are Per, which are persecuted for righteousness sake. And we mentioned, I mentioned earlier about righteousness being a name or a title of Christ. So if it's perfectly persecuted for my name's sake, for Christ's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Following right after that. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. 
for ye shall have great joy and be exceeding glad for great shall be your your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you we have to understand that the peace we get through the doctrine of christ is the peace which christ gives if we expect that stepping upon the path entering the gate of a broken heart and contrite spirit walking the path step by step holding the iron rod of the holy ghost and doing all those things as we feast upon the words of christ if we expect that it's going to be a comfortable life we do not understand the doctrine of christ we do not understand being a disciple of Christ because the world, as we step further into the light, the world that is darkness does not comprehend it and it fights against it and it turns and seeks to rend. (laughs) So understand, I don't want to scare anybody from that path. Because even as difficult as it may be, um, you know, the Lord, the Lord promises temporal and spiritual deliverance. If we are temporally spared, then great. If we move, uh, we go preaching and we're beaten, great. We're still delivered of the Lord. If we go and we preach and we're shackled and we're put to death, we're still delivered of the Lord. Because in the grand scheme of things, being in the Lord and shrouded in the robe of his righteousness is the only deliverance that matters. If we get to live another day to preach another word, then great. (laughs) But... It's, it's all pertaining to whatever the Lord seeks to bring us through. That's broken heart and contrite spirit. It's uh, Mosiah 319. A couple, a couple verses to, to tie to this and, and close this out. And then we'll, uh, we'll get to speaking. First Nephi. 1, 19 and 20. And it came to pass that the Jews did mock him because of the things which he testified of them. Just to set, set this up. Lehi was going about his business. He was living his life, working, providing for his family, even you know, following the church of his day. And he heard the prophets prophesying unto the people that they must repent or the great city of Jerusalem must be destroyed. Wherefore it came to pass, that was verse four, this is verse five in chapter one. Wherefore it came to pass that my father Lehi, as he went forth, prayed unto the Lord, yea, even with all his heart in behalf of his people. So he heard the word of truth from a true servant. The power of the Holy Ghost witnessed it unto him. And he, in earnestness, with real intent, went to the Lord praying for his people. 
And it came to pass as he prayed unto the Lord, there came a pillar of fire and dwelt upon a rock before him. And he saw and heard much because of the things which he saw and heard. And because of the things which he saw and heard, he did quake and tremble exceedingly. This was his baptism of fire in the Holy Ghost and his call to the work. Back to 19. And it came to pass that the Jews did mock him because of the things which he testified of them. For he truly testified of their wickedness and their abominations. This is our time again today. And those who are called to the work are going to be called to say the uncomfortable things. And he testified that the things which he, of the things, he testified that the things which he saw and heard and also the things which he read in the book manifested plainly, plainly of the coming of a Messiah and also the redemption of the world. Again, this is our time just in the second half of it. He was preaching about the Messiah coming the first time. We are preparing for the second. And when the Jews heard these things, they were angry with him. Yea, even as with the prophets of old, whom they had cast out and stoned and slain. And they also sought his life that they might take it away. But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty, even unto the power of deliverance. And we should so expect that the Lord's hand will be upon us as we take this path, as we enter the new covenant of a broken heart and a contrite spirit covenant with the Lord in repentance to take over our life. We hand it to him and we say, whatever you wish that I do with my life, I will do it. First Nephi 11 verse 28. And I beheld that he went forth speaking of Christ, ministering unto the people in power and great glory. And the multitudes were gathered together to hear him. And I beheld that they cast him out from among them. Lastly, 2 Nephi 9, 18, and 19. Behold, but behold, the righteous, the saints of the Holy One of Israel. Saints being sanctified, and being sanctified are those who have received the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. They who have believed in the Holy One of Israel, they who have endured the crosses of the world and despised the shame of it. That wording used to throw me for a loop. I'll talk about it in a minute. They shall inherit the kingdom of God. Again, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake for my name's sake, being Christ, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Which was prepared for them from the foundation of the world, and their joy shall be full forever. Oh, the greatness of the mercy of our God, the Holy One of Israel, for he, deliver, he delivereth his saints from that awful monster, the devil, and death, and hell, and that lake of fire and brimstone, which is endless torment. 
to enter the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit to exercise repentance, to offer our life to the Lord. And I would further qualify that as our lifestyle. It can also mean offering our mortal life, but it more abundantly applies to us when we understand our lifestyle, that, the, that way in which we live, those things that we do from day to day, the choices that we make, offering that life to the Lord is repentance. And as we step onto this path, this is the path that Christ walked. Second Nephi 31, 12. And also the voice of the son came unto me saying, he that is baptized in my name to him will the father give the Holy ghost like unto me. Wherefore, or for which reason, follow me and do the things which ye have seen me do. This path being the path that Christ walked is not destined to be fraught with comfort. There may be periods of comfort uh, that we can enjoy. However, we must be willing to live through anything that the Lord requires of us up to and including becoming his servant, preaching the doctrine of Christ, laying everything on the line and even suffering our lives to be taken just as Christ did in doing so in doing those things that he's asked in living our lives as he did, we have the promise from him that as we do these things, we will become the kingdom of heaven. We will be, we will be comforted. We will inherit the earth. We will be filled with the Holy Ghost. We will obtain mercy. We shall see God. We will become the children of God. We will obtain, again, the kingdom of heaven and a great reward in heaven. And I say that seeking to be one of those servants um, and, and bringing people to Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.